One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Borough Market Podcast, where we stroll around London's oldest food market each week to chat to the traders and producers to find the stories behind the stores. This week we meet Liesl Taylor, who, with husband, Ithted Clear Dunsford, has created one of the most innovative contributions to the nose-to-tail movement in the country, the award-winning Charcutier Limited. I caught up with her at Borough Market to ask how a designer and filmmaker couple from Cardiff became the word in artisan foods and what that word really means. A charcutier is somebody that processes an animal from nose to tail with total respect, adding value to every part of the animal, but using as many processes as is possible to create a variety of products, a variety of preservation techniques. So it's not just sorted and air-dried meats, it's cooked and smoked, um, you know, emulsified products, um, air-dried, hand-sorted. So I think we felt that the name needed to be something that encompassed everything that we did and that's everything from um, sorting and air drying the meat but also um, uh, curing it, semi-curing it, fermenting it, cooking it, smoking it. It's all the processes involved in charcuterie, it's not just about sorting and air drying. But it's an extraordinary thing because you, both you and Ehtid come from a, a creative... Des- I mean, he comes from the film industry and you come from design. Design, yeah. Um, very different backgrounds. I mean, to him, it's completely natural. He's been brought up doing this every weekend anyway. But his family have farmed in the Grand Jeff Valley for, well, as far back as parish records um, go, so many hundreds of years. Um, and although he was born in Cardiff and brought up in Cardiff, he spent all of his weekends and holidays on the farm working you know with the family and and once or twice a year they would um process a pig so he'd be involved in all of that he'd be involved in sorting and um cooking and processing the whole animal from nose to tail so for him it's completely natural and you not at all <laughs> i'm not a farm girl at all i grew up in cardiff was born in cardiff city girl. yeah completely city girl um and i love london i love the buzz of it when i'm down here but um when we first moved to the farm, I had a pair of um, little tiny wellies with kitten heels on that were red with white spots. And I was teetering around the farmyard, not quite knowing what to do with myself, thinking, what do I do with that chicken? You know, it's got loose. Am I supposed to pick it up and put it back? Um, yeah, no, I'm not a farm girl at all. I am now. I love it down there. I absolutely love it down there. Is there some kind of link between the kind of the graphics and textiles that you were working with and the pigs? I mean, I'm, if there is none, I won't make the link. But I just wondered, you know, is there? I don't know. I mean, I think that perhaps the craftsmanship of it all appeals to me. Even though I worked in a very technical um, side, I was doing computer-aided design rather than 
hand stitching and things like that. Um, but I think it's the, it's the attention to detail and it's the level of craftsmanship that I kind of see a, a correlation yes. with the both of them. Yes, I think That's probably the only link, to be honest. Actually, people love that, don't they? People do love a bit of craftsmanship. Mm. Well, I was going to say in this country, but actually everyone loves a bit of craftsmanship, yes. that the slowing down. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about that, because you are an absolute ambassador for slow food, if there's nothing slower than charcuterie. <laughs> <do. laughs> Completely. Um, it's just what we do. It's the way that we've always lived. It's the way that his family have always lived. Um, we don't really know any other way. And suddenly now it has this name, slow food. Um, and we're absolutely in tune with the whole principles that have been laid out on paper that... Um, it, you know, it's so nice to see so many people becoming passionate about slow food and, and getting involved in the slow food movement and actually really embracing it. So, yes. yeah, and and actually, good. slow food movement sounds like some kind of activisty thing, but actually, it's very, very foodie now, isn't yeah. it? It's about uh, taking the time to really appreciate good food, knowing where it comes from, good provenance, good husbandry. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we were at, I was at Terra Madra in um, the autumn of last year. And it was so heartening to see that everybody that was shopping at Slow Food or visiting, you know, going to the lectures, they were completely, completely engrossed in it. You know, there was families with kids that were totally, totally in tune with, with wanting to know every detail about how this cocoa bean was produced and how it was ground and how does it then become chocolate or something like that. You know, I mean, I'm using cocoa as an example, but... Um, but it's just, it's so nice to see so many people wanting to know every single detail about it. So it because be. you and Ifta have done a lot of travelling, haven't you? Well, Ifta's done a lot of travelling. Um, I have mostly stayed at home to do the processing while he's been away. Oh, nice. <laughs> How did he make that one? I don't know, he, he wangled it somehow. He's I'm not got quite to do sure. His research. <laughs> no, I mean, we have been off together. We did spend um, uh, two months travelling North America um, and eating our way through various. Um, North American charcuterie producers actually which is quite an interesting take on it um, where, where did you find those? Um, mostly Pacific Northwest so we went from um, Vancouver in Canada and then travelled down through Portland Oregon down through Seattle uh, sorry wrong order Seattle, Portland um, and then all the way down to San Francisco um, and it was um, I think he, he had this particular scholarship to look at the pork supply chain um, back in America, this was the HCC scholarship a long time ago. Um, um, Herbie Key Camry, Meat Promotion Wales. Um, and he wanted to go to North America because there was there's less of a history. You know, there's such a, a strong history in Europe of charcuterie. And in North America, the movement out there is quite fresh, it's quite new. So he wanted to see how they had managed that, you know, without all the tradition attached to it. And, what did you find? Um, a lot of it was, a lot of it, there is the European tradition coming through. You know, there are um, really strong companies there that have got an Italian heritage background. But most of them are starting um, from scratch. What we found really interesting was the whole brand, what I found really interesting anyway, was the whole branding side of it. Um, so in Italy and France, all of the branding is, is very beautiful and ornate and very heritage orientated. And, you know, lots of family history and many hundreds of years. And, of course, in America, that doesn't necessarily exist, so everything's completely fresh and completely new and bold. And that, from my point of view, that's what I found interesting about the trip. Um, and then the taste of the product um, is completely different flavour profile to most of the, the products that we tasted across Italy and France. Um, 
because they've been mostly done in uh, technological chambers or, or you know, smaller, more scientific facilities. Um, so they're working very much with meat science as opposed to flora and fauna in the air. And, you know, it's, it's quite a fresh take on it. And you've brought those ideas back to your stall here in Borough Market yeah. and to the business in Llanelli, yeah? Yes, yeah. Well, it's both, actually. We, we, we quite, um, I think we're quite proud that we combine those traditional elements with the meat science. We're very lucky in that, um, I mean, Echidus obviously has got the family background and then through his travels across the world, he's picked up on all these different techniques and, and tips and tricks. Um, but we've got a lady that works with us as well who's also a food scientist, so her speciality is meat science. Um, so, and the two of them combined, I mean, he Ishtud also did some, uh, some courses at Iowa State University purely on meat science. And what does that mean for the customer? I'm kind of thinking, wow, that's interesting, but what does that mean in my mouth? For us, it was more about understanding how the product occurs naturally, without having to use all this, the chemicals and the scientific approach. Um, so even though the course was about processing and chemistry and things like that, it was actually more about understanding how the meat proteins and meat molecules work naturally and then relating that to something that tradition produces naturally and then all of a sudden you sort of understand, oh, that's why that's why this happens, this is why the fats go rancid more quicker. Or Give me an example, this is what why, were you learning? What, why would the fats go um, rancid? So it depends very much on the feed that the animal has been fed. Um, if you're producing charcuterie using a much younger pig that has been fed on perhaps you know, genetically modified grown soya or fast, fast growth hormone-based feed... It, yeah, which you know, we would never, ever touch. But it, the, the meat just doesn't work. It just doesn't... You get a, you know, a pale sort of... Um, flaccid meat, the fat doesn't have the same fatty acid um, balance and it means then that the fat goes rancid much quicker, the fat can remain soft, it won't be hard, it won't be clean, it won't be white Um, and it was just little things like that that he's kind of brought back and 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 so your customers were were really tasting the difference weren't they? They they really do seem to comment on how different it is I mean there's so many different ways to make um, for example, just a simple salami, you can make it if you want in 24 hours or you can make it in three weeks just for the tiny snack size. Um, and the one that takes three weeks to, to, to make will taste completely different to the one that takes 24 hours to, to make. And we do get a lot of customers, which is really lovely, coming and, you know, they'll have a little taste and their eyes will virtually pop out of their head because they're like, wow, why, why is this so different? It's so, it's so, the fat is so clean or it's, um, the texture is so beautifully uniform all the way through. You know, you don't get this kind of softness or, or acidity. Or just strange. Do you have to know your charcuterie to have that kind of experience? I'm wondering whether I would notice. I don't know. I think perhaps if you compare the two side by side. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. They were. And there's this, I mean, there's obviously, we can only talk about our own products, and I would never want to sort of put a comparison next to it. Um, but I think that it's the same if you're, if you're tasting, you know, a chocolate or a wine or something, you will suddenly find the one that you really become um, passionate about or really... You, you really enjoy tasting, you really enjoy eating. Liesl and Etate have also created their own brand of heritage pigs. I asked her how a pig becomes a heritage pig. So traditionally reared, um, rare breed, pedigree large pork. Um, they're the pigs that we keep um, on our own farm. We've also got a few farms locally that keep those pigs. And there's one farm in Lincolnshire that keeps the same breed. So they're Welsh by breed, but not Welsh by geography necessarily. Um, but they are, um, it, whether it's from our own farm or from one of the others, they are always traditionally reared, which means that they are grown as slowly and as naturally as, as possible. And um, we don't use growth hormones, we don't use routine antibiotics at all, all the things that you would expect of a, of a good piece. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we're not free range, um, but that is because um, the area of Wales that we live on is wet low-lying wetland and it's actually much kinder to have housing for the pigs um, so that they're not outdoors all the time in a foot of mud you know it's, it's a much healthier way well they do but I wouldn't want to leave them outside <laughs> all year round so um yeah but uh, but yeah but, but didn't, didn't you or didn't it create the heritage name of the pig the pedigree welsh pig um has just recently been given traditional speciality guarantee status um, so it's a, a European um, speciality food approval name, basically. Very similar to something like, yeah, a mark of approval. Yes. It has to be an absolutely pure pedigree pig. And the feed must not have any GM sources in it at all. So, I mean, for, for us and actually for the TSG status, um, it must include at least one form of co-waste food product. Um, in our instance, it's most of the food is, is waste product anyway. But things like um, fallen apples or spent brewer's grain or waste vegetables or, or something like that. Something that is naturally occurring in that environment and in that locality. Pigs are famous for eating absolutely everything. Is that true? Is that good for them? <laughs> um, we actually think that the nutrition of the pig has to come first. Um, and that also goes alongside its welfare and its emotional well-being. So... To my mind, a pig is not a rubbish bin. Um, it has to have a really good, balanced diet. So we do use um, waste food products, um, waste co-food products in a lot of the feed 
that the animal receives and that can be things like whey from the cheese industry um, uh, homegrown barley um, it can be spent brewer's grain um, waste vegetables from a local veg supplier you know trimmings things like that um, but we wouldn't feed it purely kitchen scraps that wouldn't give it a good diet it's the same as a human being you know you can't just live on scraps alone <laughs> that sounds like pig heaven it just sounds like the way the pigs have always lived you know it's not a new breed how did we move so far away from it i don't know i think the demand for pork at a much cheaper price um packaged cleanly in a supermarket is so far removed from the reality of it i think it's a price war you know it's it's the fact that pork prices have been driven down by the consumer only willing to pay a certain amount um and then intensive intensive pig farming has become more prevalent both in the UK and in Europe and it means that the pork prices are just going down and down and we've moved to using you know hybrid pigs that grow much faster that can be killed at a much younger age um, and it's actually a friend of ours referred to pork recently as a white meat and we said pork is a red meat why do you think it's a white meat and he said because that's what he's so familiar to seeing in the supermarket is this very very pale pink pork that's not pork that's water (laughs) do you actually sell pork and sausages we actually process most of it occasionally we will sell the tenderloins um and we do sell fresh sausages as well although they don't make it as far as borough um but most of what we do is is cured and processed further so tell me about being at borough it's amazing i mean it's a huge privilege i used to come here as a tourist 10, 15 years ago and I remember we both came down on Christmas Eve when the game was hanging and the crowds were, you know, you couldn't move Um, and I remember us think this is before we ran the food business Um, and you know, I can remember us saying, gosh it must be fantastic to have a a food business running from Borough Market, you're right in the hub of all these amazing producers, these fantastic historical businesses. It's like being <laughs> on the red carpet at the Oscars, isn't it? But you actually talk to each other. We do, it's good fun. It's good banter. I mean, we've actually just moved. We were in the green market, so we were in between um, Paul the Fish and Jock with the fruit and veg, and the banter was just brilliant. So, um, but yeah, but we've moved over here. It's, it's equally good fun. Yeah. yeah, you can hear the podcast with Paul Day as well yeah, on, the, on the website. Fun, He's really a laugh. Answer, yeah. yeah. Um, what do you take home at the end of the day then? Which which traders do you go to? Um, I always go to Mons Cheese, get a nice bit of Beaufort um, for Max. I often go over to the truffle stall and pick up some porcini mushrooms, which we use in our production as well. I mean, do you actually use any of the other traders for your ingredients? Are you, are you finding new stuff? We're starting to. We um, have just approached Spice Mountain to try and get some, we're trying to get hold of some quite specific herbs and spices which they don't stock here so we're asking them if they can find those for us well, from one of his travels <laughs> yes pretty much yeah which ones? Um, so there's a couple of um hot peppers that we're trying to get hold of from um, uh, calabria which i know that you can get calabrian hot peppers but there's a specific one that we're trying to get hold yeah, of um black anise we can't find black anise anywhere so if anybody knows how to get hold of black anise then <laughs> where did he find it first <laughs> Uh, it was in a recipe for a product in North America. Um, so, yeah, black anise. So you're part of Wasted, which yes. which is this new London initiative on the top of Selfridges' roof. Yes, it is. It's on the, the roof restaurant at Selfridges. It's um, 
uh, Chef Dan Barber um, and his team from uh, Blue Hill Farm in New York that ran a similar project out in America that had rave reviews. He's incredibly successful. Um, you know, he's been dubbed as the philosopher chef. I mean, he's a fantastic, fantastic character and a great ambassador, actually, for sustainable food approaches. So, so that's going to be for a lot of uh, really interesting chefs and a lot of other producers educating Londoners to think again about their waste. Your pigs are on the menu there, um, but you're using that much more sort of ethical, much more thoughtful idea of what waste is in terms of how good it is for your pigs. Yeah. Yes, I mean, everything that we do, we, we always do use co-waste products, whether it's with the pigs or whether it's the rose veal that we use. Um, uh, but we've also used um, spent hens for this project with wasted as well. So they are um, three- to four-year-old um, egg-laying birds that no, no longer are efficient. They don't lay enough eggs, basically, for them to be worth their value in keeping them as a, a laying hen. So... Um, it's kind of nose-to-tail ethos, but far beyond that. The yes. things that these guys are doing at the Wasted Project is not just about using every part of the animal. It's about using every part of the animal from before the moment it's born to beyond its, its end of life and then the whole processing in between. You know, they're using um, the waste from the waste from the waste to process again in the kitchen. And again, this is not new. This is how people used to do it in yeah. a much more sustainable way. Never called it sustainable in, in granny days, yeah. but it's, it's about bringing back the old ways and, and it's better for everyone, including the pigs. Yes, yeah. Um, in fact, I think Dan Barber quoted in one of the articles that I'd read um, that so many years ago this project um, could never have existed. There was no waste. Um, and now it's almost become... Um, a trend to, to think of food waste as a trendy thing to do um, and to us it's just the way it should be it, it shouldn't be a trend it should be a way of life all the time you're right there Treacle thanks for listening to the Borough Market podcast you can find much more about the traders and the market by going to boroughmarket.org.uk and while you're there do subscribe to the podcast we'll see you next week for more stories behind the stalls at London's most famous market Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 